This podcast is part of the Shareable Podcast Network. Learn more at shareable.fm. This is Rogue. I'm your host, Jeff Gibbard. So tell me, who are you and what is your superpower? Okay, my name is Tim Miner. I'm the CEO of By the People Technologies. And my superpower is basically helping people use technology to make them a better human. I love it. Let's explore more about that. But let me ask you, before we explore it, why does that make the world a better place, helping people to utilize technology? Why does that help? I think each one of us could learn to become more strategic, more creative, more driven, and more efficient in everything that we do in our jobs, whether we're working for ourselves or we're working for somebody else. And I think technology can be used, especially the latest AI technology should be used to be able to meet those goals. Interesting. Where did you, how did this happen for you? Um, so I, I like to find out the sort of different types of superheroes, superhumans that we have in life. There's the supermans that were born on a foreign planet. And, you know, this was just always in you. You just always had the technology bug in your, in your genes and your DNA. There's the Spider-Mans of the world where something tragic or something significant happened and it changed forever the way that they looked at the world. And then there's the Batmans, which also something tragic, but it was really about training more so than something they couldn't unsee. Which of these are you? It's usually a little bit of all of them, but which one would you say kind of stands out the most for you as kind of how this um, how this superhero skill emerged for you? So I think it's Batman first because it is a lot of training, right? It's a lot of exercising, trial and error, try this, try that, getting better and better and better at a certain skill that I see used, worked for me that I'm trying to help everybody else. The other part of it is Superman because I know how to communicate that and actually teach it to the position that other people would want to use it and can use it. So I, I'm a combination. I'm sorry. Yeah. It, again, it's usually a little bit of all of them. I, I okay. always find that anybody that has some sort of a super ability, there is a bit of it baked into them. There's a little bit of that, yes. like, well, I'm just kind of good at this. Like it kind of came a little naturally to me. And then there's always sort of like a moment in everyone's life, you know, a la Spider-Man or Batman, where there's like this thing that happened. They were like, wait a minute, I can't unsee this and I have to do mm -hmm. something about it. And they're sort of just people who fall kind of more into that natural ability or something. And then there's right. those who really train on it. So let me ask you this. We kind of set up what could be taken in a hundred different directions. And before we jumped on this, I said, you and I could probably have a three, four hour conversation, but for Rogue, we get really, really specific. Um, so we want to teach people how to leverage technology to improve their lives. Mm -hmm. Let's, let's kind of take an example of what you mean by that. What do you mean by using technology to improve our lives? Cause that, that's, that's big. Let's, let's narrow the focus a bit so people can kind of get a sense of it. Let, let's keep it in business. Okay. Well, there's basically three areas where most people can see an improvement in what they do. And there's, again, efficiency is the number one that comes to mind. I can do things faster uh, and, and with less mistakes, right? That's kind of where technology usually comes. But the thing that gets me is also st strategy, right? Not everyone is born to be a strategic thinker, but if you have that person next to you, that technology capability, let's just call it AI next to you, who has been able to have all this information across all broad ranges of the world, you can use that person to a better extent to become more strategic yourself. Rather than just thinking, this is what I do, you can say, is this the right way to do things? Or should I be looking at other ways? And if someone has been so stupid as to read all the books and all the TED Talks and every dissertation in the world out there and memorize them, 
then that person's a great person to bounce ideas off of. I'm thinking about writing an article. I've got these three points in there. Am I getting something wrong? Should I suggest something that's out of the box, outside of that realm? That makes you more strategic. It also makes you more creative. It's suddenly you're not just the guy who thinks, I'm just doing this. You're suddenly thinking, well, what are the other things we should be looking at? We're used to thinking this way. What if we thought a completely different way? Would that get better results and different results? That makes you a creative person. So I think in every one of us is this kind of latent, efficient person, strategic person, and creative person. It just needs to get the right tool set in them to suddenly become those people. And those people become better people in their jobs, better people in their teams, better people for their company, and if they're working for themselves, better people working for themselves. So there's two two places I want to ask you about. So the first is I want to understand how so you brought up AI a couple of times. So I think that's a really good use case to point to. It's very it's in the public consciousness right now, so it's a good one to point right. to. So I think on the one hand, I want to know how you assess new technologies as they come along because there's a lot of bright shiny objects that keep coming in and out. And it can be really easy to get caught up in something and see all the potential and waste a lot of time on something that ultimately yep. fizzles out. So I think on the one hand, I'm really curious about how you assess new things that come into uh, the mm -hmm. public conversation and, and opportunities. How do you discover them? How do you assess them? I think that's the, the first thing. The second thing is, is you talked a bit about being more strategic and using these tools or being more creative. And I think there's several steps that sort of precede that. And it kind of is like, how do you understand what are the opportunities that are latent in a particular thing and understand where the edges are, both liabilities and opportunities? So I know those are two big questions. So I'll, let's take them one mm -hmm. by one. I'd say the first one is, how do you think about new technology coming in and how do you determine whether something's the real deal or whether it's just something you should let pass by? So I, 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 the way I assess technologies, I look and see what kind of capabilities does it allow me to do? right? Does it allow me to think the way I think? Or is it trying to get me cornered into a way of thinking that someone else thought? And that's usually an easy way to pick. To find out, can I actually come up with brand new ideas? I am a plumber, right? Is there a way of doing plumbing in a brand new way that I've never thought of before? And will this technology help me that? That's the way I assess technology. Does it allow me to be myself and to find new ways of doing things what I do? Um, that's the first thing. This, uh, then the second one was the dangers. How do you assess whether it has a danger? Is that right? Yeah. Um, um, the step that proceeds sort of like, oh, there's so many opportunities here. It could bring me back information to be more strategic, to be more thoughtful, to be more creative. There's kind of the two poles of that, which is being able to even understand what are those capabilities? What are the opportunities so that you can begin to leverage it in that way? Um, right. Because if you're not a strategic person, it can be difficult to know that there's this tool that can help you be more strategic because that's almost a strategic decision in itself. But then there's right. also the liability side. So you come to rely on this because you're not a strategic person. How do you know you can trust this technology or tool to actually be improving versus taking you off course if you don't necessarily know enough about the subject well, in the first place? I, don't, I think most people will understand most, uh, enough about their own lives and their own capabilities to see if I had a, a a person who I would join in. This is what this is basically the the alignment of teamwork, right? If you see that I'm good enough all by myself, I don't need any other people. It's really hard to think that. But if you notice I'm better with other people, 
as as in a team, I can contribute, and that team can do much many more parts than just what we have as a sum of our capabilities. If you suddenly come to that realization, then you're looking for someone else on your team who's going to bring something significant that you don't have. And one of the things that most people don't have is they don't have that complete overall arching knowledge. What are all the possibilities that people have used to solve this problem? I'm worried about global warming. What are the issues that I'm worried about most? What are the ramifications I'm worried about most? What are the effects that, what are the things that have been most effective about global warming and have kept it from, let me focus on those. Let me look and analyze that information before. Maybe you're not a strategic person that does that automatically, but each one of us needs to and wants to have that. And that's how I think it could make you a better person. One of the things I want to call out because I noticed you You've done this a couple of times, and I don't know if you know you do this, but I actually think that it's an insight into how you think about this. You've personified the technology a couple of times. You've said, if I had a person on my team who had read all of the different literature, who had done this or this, they'd be a good person to bounce ideas off of. And you right. said uh, either before or after that something about you look at what its capabilities are. And I right. think this idea of looking at a technology and assessing what type of a person would this be? What sort of jobs would they be able to do? What would it be to replicate a person in this role? Being able to assess, well, if this technology allows me to do that thing, would that be valuable? And I think the personification side of it there is a really unique way of thinking at that. I, ha I haven't actually heard a lot of people talk about it that way, but I realize in my head when I'm assessing technologies, like, um, like a scheduler, for instance, like Calendly or Acuity, right? Mm -hmm. I look at that and I say, well, what would it cost me to get a person to do this job for me? To have someone right. who's consistently going back and forth and doing that scheduling, has access to my mm -hmm. schedule, understands right. my rules if I want 15 minutes before and 30 minutes after, I want to send right. a follow-up email. If I had someone mm -hmm. to do all of that, what would it cost me? Would it be $39 a month or something? Probably not. Right. So I look at it in that sense and say, okay, well, I can replace a person. That sounds horrible when I say it that way, but like I can replace a person doing this job. But then that frees up that person to do something more creative, more interesting, more in line. That's exactly with right. So I really, I just want to call out that I think that that is a key part to your insight and, and ability to assess a technology and see something useful in it is you're personifying it and turning it into a, what if this was a person type scenario? I think I think very astute that you've come up with that, and you're right. That's what it is. I think most people are are who are given the aspect in normal job situations to have an assistant for the first time, go through the same thing. Oh, I don't think I need an assistant. I write my own stuff. I don't. And then suddenly, once they have someone that helps them do their job better, they suddenly come to the realization: How can I live without that person? Right. So it's that same thinking that I think everybody goes through when you personify and you make that technology into another person, one that you can you can speak to, you can speak back to. And this is what most people don't understand about AI. AI is a conversational product. It's not a question answer kind of thing back and forth. Give me all the answers and all the answers come back to you. No, you back and forth. You say, I don't like that answer. Refine it more. Work on it some more. It's that back and forth that most people learn that you didn't know that you could do with AI that I think is one of the key differentiations. I really like that. And I also feel like it's a really good way of discovering so you, we started out talking about using technology to make your lives better. And that could be at right. work. It could be at home. And I think one of the 
um, things that we can fuse together with this personifying the technology is starting with, well, what's a problem I have in my life right now? Mm -hmm. Well, back to the scheduling thing, right? Like, well, I really hate going back and forth with scheduling. I either need a person to help me with that or I need a technology to help me with that. Right. So then when you take that and you start to think about like, well, what are the roles? What are the things they would do? It helps you kind of go out there and assess what are the technologies that are out there. Exactly. I think where there's probably a big gap, and this is, I know where, uh, companies that do what you do kind of come in, which is mm -hmm. understanding how to fill that void when you don't know if a technology can do this. How would you advise someone think about um, if they want to automate a solution, integrate something, they want to create something that allows a technology to fill that solution? How do they even know if it's possible? Like what, what's the criteria that you kind of take people through that help them see, oh yeah, I could, I could build something that does that, or I could automate that, or I could integrate that or whatever, or it, this is a thing that's a person task. How do you how do you advise someone to think about that? So I I usually start people down a pathway of trial and error, right? We start on trying something. If it didn't work, let's see if we can make it better. And don't get me wrong, there's times where we get to the point where we have <laughs> we've assessed the end of the technology and it's not getting any better. But until we do, let's go ahead and see what the ramifications are. What's the edge of where we can get from this? And I think a lot of people stop a little too early. I, I know thousands of people. In fact, 60% of people I speak with is, I don't need to take your course. I don't need any work from you. I've tried ChatGPT. I've let my kid work with his homework. I know what it can do and it's garbage, right? And then what they've not done is they've not gone, well, give it a second. Try to argue with it. Try to go back and forth and give it your feelings about its results and let it work some more as you would do with an assistant, right? You try that assistant to get better. You wouldn't say, okay, you're out of a job. Goodbye. You would try to work on it more. So if you take it in that, that we're going to try this, if it doesn't work, we're going to try it again. And if that doesn't work, we're going to try it one more time. Those kinds of aspects get you to see a difference. And once you start seeing a difference, then you can start saying, well, maybe if I keep on trying, I'll get to the final position I need to get. Or maybe my final position that I thought is a little off and I should change what I was actually trying to get to as a trajectory. If you were to kind of play this out a bit and imagine that this sort of behavior of working well with technology, having a relationship, mm -hmm. a conversational relationship with technologies, iterating, trying things, having it uh, make you more efficient, et cetera. You play this out and imagine we've now integrated this across most aspects of our life. Mm -hmm. What do you think that that looks like? What do you, how do you think that fundamentally changes the world? Do you think that's good? Do you think that's, um, do you think that there's a potential downside that we need to really start thinking about at this stage? Um, kind of what's your assessment being in that world? How do you see like best case scenario, worst case scenario? So I, 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 I hate to say that I don't see a downside, but there is a downside, right? The humans do have a tendency with things do allow them to become lazy. They become lazier. They work less. They just do, right? That's that's one downside I see. But really what I think it does more than anything else is it frees us up to do more. If I don't have to do the mundane, I can start thinking about the strategic. I can start dreaming about how we could make a better planet. How are we going to solve our immigration problem? That's a problem that's not just, it's just not the government's problem. It's all of our problem. So how are we going to go about doing those things and making my world a better place. Now, those kinds of things, I think, are the kind of things that we have that first time when we as cavemen had to stop hunting for food and digging caves, 
that we had that one guy who was the older who could sit down and start thinking about, is there not a better way to do this? That's how we improved as humans. Now, thousands of years later, we're at the same point where we can suddenly let this technology take some of our mundane work away, and we can come to that same conclusion, just like we have been with all of technology. Now, women or People, sorry, I must say, do not have to wash the clothes in the bathtub. They can let a washing machine do that. What does that free them up to do, right? To go after careers, to go after things that solve the problems of the world and make the world a better place. These are the kinds of things I think we can move towards if we allow it to happen. If we're A, number one, not scared of it, and A, B, number two, actually start involving ourselves with it and start using it in its, in its basic form. Final question I'll ask you on this. Um is when you look at the opportunity to solve problems using technology, is there any sort of rule of thumb you have around selecting a particular tool? Does it come with its openness, You know, whether it has a public, a public and an open API? Is it free to use, uh, open source? Like, what, what, are, what are the ways that you, like that kind of that second layer that's kind of like the inside baseball of this? Like, how do you go about looking at different technologies and say, well, this is the one I want to put my chips on? Um, because as we're talking about this right now, we're having this conversation, uh, there was a bit of a shakeup at ChatGPT, for instance. So that was the clear was. leader by a mile, right? And then there's mm -hmm. this shakeup and there's a concern of like, well, what's going to happen? Is it going to flatten the industry, more competition? Is it good? Is it bad? How do you choose where to hit your wagon? What are the things that you look at that you think give you a higher degree of confidence so that the switching costs, if you ever have to, are lower? Well, the first thing I do do is I go through new technology, find out what's free. <laughs> One of the biggest things right now is video editing capabilities, right? So I've got videos I want to edit and how they put them out. Is it free? And then I'll use its free extent to the biggest. And if I do then get motivated because I can do more by paying a subscription fee, then I'll go for that as well. But the first idea is I've got to be able to try it. If I can just read about what it possibly could do, that's not good enough anymore. It's really got to be hands-on, something I can try so to be the first thing to do is on the other hand i do have to get also i'm, I'm into the position of thinking right now am i going to get so deep into this that i won't be able to switch later on and that's another big issue that you have to worry about if that new technology comes around do you have the capacity to pick up all your data and go over there and play in that playground or not because if you don't if you're just stuck into this one thing and this is the only place it does it that might be a little bit of a dangerous position to be in I love it. I love it. I actually do have one final question for you. It's a short sure. one. Uh, what's your, uh, what's your, in your own actual work with clients and everything, how do you deal with documentation? Are you someone who like you document all of your experiments along the way? Do you document when you get to the end and everything works? Um, how are you making sure that as you um, build these different tools and allow technologies to make our lives better, how are you making sure that you're capturing that so you can build on it later? A good example is prompt engineering, right? I always, if I find somebody who says, listen, try to prompt it like this and you'll get something better, I'll put that into a Google Doc. I'll put not only that prompt in there, but also, hey, how did I personalize it? How do I make it in there? And then see what the results were. When the results were good, I want to keep that one because I want to use it later on. I want to go back to it later on at a different time because I have a new project that I'm starting something else up on. And that's kind of the key of being able to switch back and forth between the two things. So I do document this side, but I also could see myself getting too deep into the documentation. So it's really there just to remind myself what was I thinking at the time getting through with that so that I can pick up on that and then move on the next time to the same place. Love it. Love it. 
Tim, so awesome for you to come in and talk about uh, technology and AI. A couple of things I'm really just taking away from this episode, want to point it out for the listeners is that one, uh, when you're thinking about a technology, try personifying it, try giving it a human personality and think about what it would be if a person was, were doing this. I think it's a really great way to think about how there might be some capabilities and, and allow you to like, you know, not have the fear of like working with the technology that some people have. So I think that's one thing that's really, really important. Um, and then I think there's so many other things, but but looking for technologies that are free that you can play with, you can tinker with and not being scared to try those things out. Uh, those are two really great pieces of advice. Um, lots yeah. of good stuff in this episode. So I want to just thank you for coming on and talking about it. Sure. Um, if Gotham is in trouble, where can people uh, find you to help save the day? It's real simple. Save the day is by the people all together dot t-e-c-h that's our website by the people dot tech and uh that's where they can get in touch with me of course i'm on linkedin and i'm also on twitter you can find both of those places just looking for tim minor but by the people dot t-e-c-h is our website dynamite we'll put that all in the show notes um fantastic thank you so much for coming on Good. thank you for sharing your superpower and uh, i hope all of you listening out there take something from this conversation with tim and can go out there and make the world a better place make your life easier more efficient Please. faster all that um, so yes. thanks again, Tim. Appreciate you. All right. Out. Thanks so much.